The census helps dictate how much money our community gets for the next 10 years. 10 years of new books for schools and better paved roads. Make sure to go to 2020census.gov to fill out the census. We all count. So um, I think, you know, for me, I didn't know much about marketing before I fell into it. I actually started off um, when I was younger taking a lot of pictures. I love photography. Hey guys, you're listening to Stay at Home with Keystone. We're your hosts, Akila and Dianara. We're members of Keystone at the Mid Peninsula Boys and Girls Club, and we are so excited to talk to our guests today. Today, we will be interviewing Anna, head of marketing at Spotify. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? We'll get into more detail about your story later on. Sure, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so, as Akila said, my name is Anna. I head up marketing for Spotify in their podcaster mission. I specifically work on the Anchor product, which is an easy way to make a podcast. I'm from New York City, born and raised. I'm Filipina American, and I'm very proud of that. Um, and yeah, I love life. <laughs> So our first question today is, why did you decide to go into marketing? So um, I think, you know, for me, I didn't know much about marketing before I fell into it. I actually started off um, when I was younger taking a lot of pictures. I love photography. So um, I think, you know, for turn this into something that um, can be a career or like a professional sort of endeavor. And I, I learned more about marketing and I, I interned at a couple places and I was like, okay, well, marketing seems to be like where you develop imagery and have some copywriting and you put them all together to essentially like sell something or sell a product or tell people about a product. And that seemed to be a good fit for me. So um, that's sort of just how I fell into it because I, I really enjoyed the creative process of marketing and I learned more um, by being sort of in the field and experimenting and, and trying new things. So we know you went to Dartmouth and you majored in psychology. So how did you make kind of that decision to go into marketing instead of like pursuing a career in psychology? And how exactly did you come to like that decision when it finally like came to you? Yeah. So again, you're going to see a trend in my answers and how I made decisions because I tend to be a pretty indecisive person and I kind of like just, I'll go with my gut and then I'll like change directions if yeah. I like notice something. But um, essentially, yeah, like I started, um, you know, going to Dartmouth and I was just taking a bunch of courses that I thought were interesting. And I realized like halfway through, um, you know, I was like two years into school. And I was like, okay, I need to really pick a major now. And I had all these credits in psychology. And I like was really reflecting on that. Like, why do I have all these credits? Like, why am I closer to getting a degree in psychology than other things? And it was because I was just like really interested in the human brain and how people think and work and why they behave a certain way. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to follow that. And um, I, 
I then realized that like, this makes sense for me to major in. I don't know what I'm going to do with it necessarily. I don't know if I want to be, you know, in the, in the therapist chair, listening to people's problems all day. Um, while like not to downplay that work, that's huge, important work. Um, but it wasn't for me. Um, and so I realized that, um, yeah, I, I was really interested in like brain science and everything. And then I, I realized after it was only like, I didn't know I was going into marketing right when I graduated, but years later, I kind of like drew a line from all those things I was interested mm -hmm. in and how the human brain works and then all the creative stuff that I was doing. And it's like, okay, this makes sense to me. Like I'm designing, you know, um, a visual experience, I'm creating copywriting, I'm creating imagery, and all of this is in service of like getting people to, like influencing people to do something. And that's where that psychology comes in, right? And so marketing felt like um, a natural next step. Yeah. Okay. So I know that you previously just said that like the psychology does kind of influence your marketing and your strategy. So what like significant psychology tricks or things that you learned in your major that work or that you use a lot in your job now? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think um, just in general, like when you think about like marketing, it's all about kind of creating demand for something. Mm -hmm. So um, getting people excited about something, like that's all sort of like, how do you do that with um, by like, creating something that like influences them or like sparks that demand or that, that like uh, inspiration for them. And so um, in terms of, yeah, I always try to think about how someone would feel if they were to use a product and it's like kind of reverse tactics of like how we have to get them to feel this way yeah. um, when they think about it. So yeah, you, you know, when you see an Instagram ad or when you see like an ad on whatever, like TikTok or something, <laughs> you know, um, the, the ones that you want to click on are the ones that usually have the most like relevant information to you or like they look the best or they just seem the most exciting and like just look cool and you want to explore that. Um, so I think that's sort of like the way that I think about marketing too. Like that's the end result. Like that's what I want to see happen is somebody like you like clicking yeah. on an anchor ad because you think it sounds interesting and, and it's almost like, I guess the reverse psychology of it all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How did you transition out of college and into the workplace? Yeah. So, um, again, it was kind of like a, a messy process when I graduated from college. Um, it was actually, there was a, a recession at that time. So I graduated in 2007. There was a recession in like 2008. It was just a really bad time. There were no jobs or anything. So I moved back home. <laughs> And um, moved back home with my mom, and no shame in that, especially for a Filipino family. They were like, yeah, come back. Um, but, you know, um, we, like, I, I basically was like, all right, starting from square one, what are the things that I can do right now? Um, so I, I tried to get internships. Like, I, I kind of um, explored internships in the art world um, at galleries, um, which didn't pay much. So I was also working in restaurants um, to cover my like expenses. Um, but I was always trying to do something that spoke to the desire to be creative um, while I was also making ends meet. So while it is a hustle, 
had to do a couple things at once. I, I wanted to make sure that I was fulfilling my, my heart while also like my wallet, I guess you could say, um, at the same time. So I ended up, um, it ended up being a really like positive experience because then I, I got to sort of bounce around different industries and see, like get a flavor for each of them. So like I said, art gallery, fashion company, um, photo magazine. And I was like, okay, this is what I don't like from that company or like this type of um, work environment. And then I'll seek something else that's more in my, in my, um, you know, like the direction that I want. So, um, so yeah, how I transitioned out of college into the workplace was a very, uh, again, like sort of loosely defined process, but I think I just sort of, um, you know, just started knocking on doors to be honest like with the restaurant work i literally like was walking with my resume from like restaurant to restaurant and like trying to i was actually trying to target like the most fine dining uh type of restaurants because i was like oh they get good tips you know or like um because their meals are more expensive and they're probably you know so i was just like and they were like, you don't have any fine dining experience, so you have to start as a hostess and you don't get tips. And then I just like worked my way from hostess to like a runner or whatever. Like, um, so I think it just takes a lot of trial and error and just like, like just wanting to do, just say yes to everything and just keep doing more and more. All right. So knowing all this and, you know, having to transition through the recession, like, from college to, you know, working, what was the toughest challenge you had to like face through all of this or even just now? And what do you do to motivate yourself to like, you know, keep going or even then like, what was your end goal or what did you use to make yourself like look at the long term instead of what was in front of you? Mm, that's a really good question. I think there have been a lot of challenges. I'm trying to think of just one. <laughs> Um, but I think a, a big challenge for me in recent years was actually, um, I was working for a company called Visco, which is a photo app and, um, super fun. Like my dream job really like, I, cause as a photographer, like there, there's no cooler photography, like company in the tech world that I was like really in love with tech at that time too. And I still am obviously. Um, and the, um, then one day after like a couple of years of working there, um, the CEO came to our office and told everyone that the office was shutting down. So everybody was like in shock. Mm -hmm. um, this is just a New York office. So it was like 30 people or something. Um, really like sad news to hear when everyone was like a family. And so um, we had to figure out something to do next. And I was just really crushed because I, I think I put so much of myself and my identity into what I did as a job. And so I actually learned after that to slightly separate my identity from where I work because yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't like give me self-worth like where I'm working. Like mm -hmm. I'm more than that. Right. So it was actually a really amazing, um, like life lesson for me because I, I was like oh my gosh what am I gonna do now people know me as Anna from Visco like I'm nobody like who am I if I'm not like attached to this brand but that's just it's just like having a you know 
like a, a Chanel bag or something like that's not who you are yeah um so I really learned a lot from that experience and from there like um a couple of the people that also got laid off like some of the women from that team and I started our own agency that was mm -hmm. like a creative collective founded by women um and so that was a really really cool experience that came of it where um you know we were all like we really like working together and we felt like there was a lot of connection and talent that we wanted to continue cultivating that within um the you know women's space and so clients that we people that we knew and and in like the partnerships world would come to us and ask for um for us to help them with like a campaign or something like that um let's say like Jordan hit us up and was like, we want to do some like blog content catered towards women. Can you develop this? So it was, a, it was amazing, like an, an opportunity to, um, to like us be the kind of like creative directors who are women get to hire like the dopest female photographer and like the dopest female model and, um, you know, have the, the whole crew like lighting, makeup, mm -hmm. hair, everything, like be just a whole like gang of amazing women. Um, and so I felt like we took, it was kind of like a make lemonade out of lemon situation um, from the whole Visco transition. But I, I, I mean, I totally understand like their decision to do that. It was heartbreaking at the time, but like, you know, again, it's business. So, um, but I think there's a lot to learn from all of those types of, you know, like heartbreaks throughout life. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned you worked at Visco. Um, where do you think you would be right now if you hadn't gotten laid off? Hmm. Good question. Um, if I if I continued working there, yeah. Um, I mean, I probably would be doing more of like, I I really loved working there and I I loved creating content and getting to work around the, the photography community um, and like a lot of creative talented people. So I probably would just be doing that and, um, and probably still loving it. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to have some of the like new experiences that I did by um, having that opportunity to try something else. How do you define success and what do you think is your biggest success professionally? Yeah, so um, for me, success isn't about money. Um, I think it's really about, um, it's gonna sound so cheesy and like, I don't want this to sound trite, but really like waking up and being happy to do what I'm doing and feeling fulfilled that I'm able to work towards the, the mission that like I feel for myself. So um, for me, that's sort of like, there's always been a through line of like working with creative communities um and allow like helping people to become more creative so whether that's through like visco as a tool that allows everyone to be creative and like be a photographer or like feel comfortable you know even if they're just applying filters to something they're like making something um or if it's with anchor where like a lot of people who never had a podcast before or didn't even think to because it's expensive and like all these you know barriers, technical barriers, are now starting to think about, okay, I can hear my voice on Spotify, I can hear my voice on Apple Podcasts, and I can be a podcaster too. Like that 
for me is um, is success is being able to work for a company or like a product or even just like a mission like that. Um, and so, you know, I hope that um, that can continue to like wake up with the same energy. But no matter what I'm doing, whether I leave this Spotify, like, you know, Spotify world or whatever, I'm still going to look for that. Okay. So how did you get to this point in like realizing that this was what you wanted to do, you know, for your job or just because you loved it? And what did that process look like for you and feel like for you? Yeah. So, um, I think a lot of it came down to like an intuition, like a, like a gut feeling mm-hmm. and some things, and it's, you know, this is going to sound kind of silly, but it, I sort of, I sort of compare it to like dating. <laughs> like you're, you're kind of like shopping around, you're, you're on these interviews, you're on these first dates or whatever. And you're like, okay, this person kind of checks off the boxes. Like they're, you know, yeah. they're tall or whatever. Like they're, um, you know, they're nice to their mom or something like that. And they're like, they're checking off all the boxes for me, but there's something kind of missing. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I just don't know if like, this, you know, so that I was really following that like intuition when I was like, um, sort of shopping around interviewing yeah. places. And I guess <laughs> in a sense, like, um, anchor was like the one for me at that time. And I was like, I really like these people they believe the same things that I believe, like every, you know, everything they're working on matters to me. Um, and I just, I was like, you know, you're never, you're never going to have all the answers at once after you're, you're interviewing with someone, you're, you literally meet them like once or twice and then you mm-hmm. have to make a big decision. So um, I think I just sort of like went off that gut instinct and was like, I can do this. I, I want to try this and we'll see where it goes, you know? Um, and so it was like, I guess, you know, like we started dating and then, (laughs) and one thing led to another and yeah. So, um, (laughs) I think that's sort of how, yeah, that's, that's how I decided. That's how I decide everything kind of just like, um, run it through my, my gut feeling and, and if it feels right, um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. How like knowing just how you make decisions and how like how much you trust your intuition were you always like that or did it like take a certain like you know experiences to get you to that point where it's like well I can't really listen to I don't know like what other people say just how it makes me feel and you know how how did that happen or just were you just always like this I think um like, I, I'm, I'm kind of, like, very critical, I guess. It's not a good thing. Like, I'm very, like, judgmental sometimes, even for myself. So mm-hmm. I feel like I notice a lot of things I don't like, and I'll, like, uh, turn away from that. And yeah. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're kind of, like, listening to that that feeling, too. It, it's not always, like, a like a sparkly, like, oh, my gut is telling me that this is the road that I want to take. It, it's yeah. sometimes, like, an aversion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... Um, I think, yeah, like, I, I guess I just have those, those strong feelings since, since I was younger, but also like, um, making the wrong decision teaches you that too, mm-hmm. right? Like, so yeah. over the course of like making stupid decisions, I'm like, well, why, why was that a stupid decision? Oh, okay. Or next time, you know? Um, yeah. Totally. 
Okay. What do you wish you would have known before going into your job profession? Um, I think knowing that you can't please everybody is, it sounds simple, but you really cannot please everybody. You, if you please try to please everybody, you please no one and you don't please yourself. Um, so sometimes in professional settings, I, I found myself, you know, trying to be a people pleaser, trying to balance a lot of different requests and, um, and, and be like the mediator and, you know, um, give something that was like a middle ground of everybody's opinions. But I realized um, that that's not, I, I don't think that that's a, a really great way to be a leader. Um, and again, this goes back to like trusting yourself because you know the answers. Like sometimes I think also as women, we don't, we, we are always doubting ourselves. And like, we think that because this person wrote a book or because this person, like this person's Twitter famous, like they know the answers more than I would. But like, I think that that's all, um, it's kind of all like a facade and that our experience is so valid. And so like, I think it also comes with a little bit of age too, where like you realize, okay, um, you know, I know, like I know myself and I know this subject. So like, whatever it is, let's say you're, let's say you are a psychologist, you are, you know, you are um, working in, you're, you're a nurse or something. And like, you just have to like trust yourself um, to make that, to make those calls. Um, and, and not everyone's going to be happy with the decisions that you, decisions that you make, but that's okay. <laughs> and they'll live with it. Okay, I hear you. So, you know, with making decisions and, you know, really trusting yourself, do you think that, you know, going to school and or furthering your education through college and getting a degree is like, you know, really important or necessary? Because I know people that really do believe that's where, you know, their next step in life is, you know, going to college, getting a degree, going to work. But other people don't think the same way and they just, you know, go into what they're passionate for. So do you think it's important and or necessary to be successful or to succeed in what you're passionate about? I think that, that the answer to that question is probably different for everyone. Um, because some fields, like let's say you want to be um, a painter, you may not necessarily like you could be a really talented painter and like not necessarily have to learn art theory to be successful um yeah and yeah and some people like i know a lot of really successful people who um skipped college because they started you know like my, my former boss jeff staple he was like selling t-shirts like from he was just like make printing t-shirts and selling them and then it became like a business so yeah. he didn't really have to go to college in that sense but I do, I personally feel that education is so valuable. And mm -hmm. even if you're not going to college for the thing that you're going to end up doing in life, like a psychology or whatever, like, I don't think that that's really the point. Um, because college and school is like really important for not just like the, the um, topic that you're learning, but also about like mm -hmm. learning about yourself through that experience. And yeah. I think expanding your worldview by being around other youth and like other really smart, you know, mm -hmm. interesting people. 
and that to me was like the biggest value of of college like I mean like professors and stuff yeah I think it's mostly like yeah like the experiences that you're gonna have because when else in your life are you gonna be able to like Mm -hmm. do that um so I think that that I don't think it matters if you go to like Ivy League school or state school or community college or anything. I think what's more important is that you give yourself this time of like, you know, four years or two years or whatever your program may be to like explore um, something that you're passionate about and like meet other people like you and your age range and Mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of from different parts of the, of the city of the world. Like um, that is, that was the coolest thing for me about college. Yeah. Okay. What advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a similar career to yours? Um, so in addition to the trust yourself advice that has been coming up a lot, <laughs> I think um, I think expanding where you get inspiration. So if it was a similar career to mine, like probably like a creative career, I'd say that um, you know you find your creative voice outside of your work sometimes. Like, and you can find it from anywhere. Like, you can find it um, not just like reading books about that thing, but like really living and and taking something from that. Um, I think the way that um, some people learn is by like reading articles or like Googling a bunch of things, but um, there's, there's so much to learn indirectly about a subject by like being curious and meeting people and learning things. So I think um, that is my, my biggest advice is not seeing, not seeing the, the non-direct relationship as like, as a waste of time, but really as an opportunity. Um, yeah. Okay. So has there ever been, you know, like any adversity that you face, you know, in your workplace or going into your profession? And if so, how do you kind of like navigate that space and really connect and like, you know, stay strong within yourself to keep going? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really hard to be um, a woman, a woman of color Mm -hmm. um, in the workforce, in a workforce that's like predominantly, you know, white, Mm -hmm. straight, white male. Um, And yeah, especially in like, leadership roles. Um, So I think expectations are something that are challenging, like you have to combat expectations of for me like what Asian women are supposed to be like mm-hmm. that you're like demure and modest and quiet and um obedient or whatever and so that can those can be like really deep-seated expectations mm-hmm. like throughout your life that you're always like either rebelling against or like conforming to mm-hmm. or like you know either you, like I found myself doing both where I'll be like oh I think I'm supposed to do this because like that you know, my parents taught me to be modest and quiet and like not assertive and not, not stir the pot or whatever. Or I'll be like outwardly loud because I want people to know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not like the, what you think of Asian American women, you know, like, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of go back and forth, but then I, I, I think both of those is kind of like both of those extremes is kind of, um, it's like a response to, um, like a, that trigger. And so I think the more that you recognize, I'm sorry, I'm going off right now, but I feel like the more you recognize, like recognize where that's coming from, the more you can sort of like tame it and just be you. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have to like put myself through the filter of what you see me as. Like I can just be me not thinking about like, Oh, am I being too quiet? Am I being too loud? Um, I'm just like emoting. I'm just being. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, so yeah, so adversity in the workplace kind of ties to that where, you know, like there, there have been important meetings um, where I was the only woman of color in the room or something like that. And, um, you know, I think you have to sometimes contend with more aggressive personalities. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think there's different like communication styles that can still be effective and just figuring out that like, I maybe don't have to be the loudest in the room to make my point. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But it it takes a lot of practice. And I I will say that that is like super challenging um, because you, you really feel a lot of like, pressure and um anxiety and Mm -hmm. like there's just so much of societal expectations that come down into that one moment that you have to like rise to the occasion for so I think um it's something that like honestly I still I'm still working on um Mm -hmm. but I think I've learned a lot in the last few years that um Yeah. yeah yeah so what would you like or what would you say to like I don't know any young person or particularly young females in like that feel stuck in these kind of situations where they don't necessarily know if what they're doing like whether it is you know being louder you know being assertive or I don't know feeling kind of docile or you know scared what would you say to them to like motivate them to know that just because in the moment you feel a certain way doesn't mean that it'll, you know, I don't know, like do any harm for you in the long run, as long as you grow from it and you, so what would you, what would you say to them? Yeah, I think, I think having like that awareness. So like being really present in the moment, like sometimes we get flustered, right. When like we're in a challenging situation, yeah. so it's like sort of slowing down, like stepping back and like kind of breathing <laughs> into it. Um, then you can sort of see with like an outside eye of like what's happening. Um, I think paying attention to that and then really looking at yourself from like a third party and being like, yeah. okay, so look at me, look at how I'm, how I'm taking this situation how I'm acting right now not judging yourself but like just taking note and then for the next time it happens just kind of like going back to that that like your note your like mental mm-hmm. note of what happened the last time and being like okay what like what would I want to do differently here um mm-hmm. so I think it's just it's just like every single time just like slowly moving into um, a version of yourself that you feel most empowered as um yeah yeah. This question is kind of similar to what you just said, but how has your race affected the way people look at you and how you look at yourself? Yeah. Um, so race has um, affected me. I think it's, a, it's the first thing, maybe 
maybe the first thing is gender. I don't know if the first thing is gender or race or what, um, but it's one of the first things that people notice about you and make assumptions about. Um, I think um, it's affected me in a couple ways. Like I definitely have felt my privilege as like a non-black minority, um, as a, a person who hasn't dealt with the same kind of oppression that like the black community has dealt with. Um, so in that sense, like there is this, there's this thing called model minority that Asian women um, sort of experience or, or um, yeah, which is that, you know, Asian Americans had been seen, have been seen as like the one, the, the type of minority that white people tell other minorities or like other people of color to aspire to be like. Um, and so that's always been kind of challenging for me because as I try to be successful in this society, I always, I'm always like second guessing myself if I'm just trying to fulfill some kind of model minority myth that, that I'm supposed to, you know what I mean? Like there's a filter of like this, um, this like racial filter that I'm like living my life through or something. Um, so I think, I think the, the, the like trying to combat the um, insecurities and the perception of myself as other, as different um, has always been kind of part of my experience. Um, but I, I think, you know, how I look at myself, I do see myself as who I am, my race included, my gender included. And I think that that is something I really celebrate and, um, have always been really proud of. And so I think that brings, um, brings me uh, like creates an experience, um, for me that's unique, um, and, and really helps me share my voice as who I am and my identity. Um, so yeah, I think it's always been a really, <laughs> it's been a complicated thing, but I think overall, you know, coming to terms with who I am and um, how I can, how I can help others like me, right? Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So before we end it, or, you know, I just wanted to ask, like, to anybody aspiring to i don't know that's going that's coming out of college you know not knowing what they want to do or people that are trying to get into the marketing business what advice would you want them to hear or to anybody that's looking into doing or going into something that they're not sure about what would you want to leave them with yeah i think like just knowing that you don't have to have all the answers right away is really important um and like even I don't have the answers to my life and they're still unfolding. So just making that next decision is so important. And, and, you know, throughout my story, it's always like, okay, I wasn't really sure. So I just like went this way, tried it out and then saw what happened and then kind of pivoted. And I think life is just always like that. You're just going to have to make these like baby steps and then like pivot or whatever. And, I, and another way of thinking about it is like, when you go bowling and you have those like gutters mm -hmm. um, yeah. in and you kind of just like bounce, bounce off the gutters all the way till you get to the pins. And I think that that's, my life has always been like that. Um, and like making decisions as I go. And so I think 
not putting too much pressure on yourself when you're like picking your major or like when you're picking which college you want to go to or um, when you pick which first job you want to have it's it's you know these things are always reversible you can all you can, I mean you can always like transfer to another school if you don't like mm -hmm. it you can always um, quit your job and find another job or start your own business or like do anything really so I think just um, just knowing that like everything's temporary and you have control over your decisions um, so you know really just saying yes to things mm -hmm. um, taking some chances ex exploring like whatever that that intuition we were talking about like exploring the intuition and where it takes you okay well i want to say thank you anna for you know talking with us and really giving us nice and like insight on just you know your career and your life it, it was so nice talking to you um i'm pretty sure like we all feel so thankful right now for just getting the opportunity to have this conversation um if you want you can like you know i guess say uh if you can find you on any social media i don't know if you're comfortable with that if you want to you can sure so um i'm on instagram as animal like a-n-n-a-m-a-l i really like puns um and what else what am i on twitter as anna lee l-i sean my last name s-i-a-n i didn't get animal someone else took that um and then i just joined tiktok but <laughs> um yeah you don't need to follow me on there so I'm, I'm still getting the hang of it so <laughs> thank you so much this is a, such a true pleasure and um yeah i'm really excited for your podcast and where it takes you Thanks. <laughs> well, again, we just want to extend our gratitude and like give you a huge thank you for joining us. And uh, the Mid Peninsula Boys and Girls Club for sponsoring this podcast. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by the Mid, Pen Mid Peninsula Boys and Girls Club with support of Karen Chin and Chase Coley. Shout out to y'all. Yeah, I think we're finished.